people. And then he sent his son, and his son came as the word of God and became the title for him used in the beginning of the Bible that John wrote in, in, in the Gospel of John is the Word, and then in the end, in Revelation, when John writes about Jesus, he calls him the Word. And so the idea that, that the spoken Word is something that's really powerful, uh, it creates things, and God created the universe. All things were created through Jesus, who is, is the living Word. And so it means that, that God, since we are created in his image, that when we speak, it's, it's very powerful. And it can be very powerful. And that's really what your text is about today. And I understand you're going through the book of James. And, you know, as Ryan probably had told you, you know, Martin Luther wanted to get rid of that book. He just couldn't stand it. And uh, he called it a right strawy epistle. And uh, he, he didn't understand how... Uh, James could be so works-oriented. And the reason is, James, the book of James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. I and mean, that's the best way to look at it. It really is how to practically live, live out your faith. You, have, you say you have faith? It should look something like this. And that's really what Proverbs is about. It's about you say you really have wisdom? Well, if you're wise, do this. And so James is a very practical book. It teaches you how to live out your faith. So let's spend some time looking at this text and before we do, let's pray. Father, it's so joyful to be in your presence with these dear people in this, your church. And I thank you that your lampstand continues to burn brightly here at St. Paul's. I thank you for the good work you're doing. And I thank you for their pastor, Ryan. Continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon him. Give him a safe trip back from the wedding and all of the, the folks that are in that wedding. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would continue to cause this church to grow and to prosper and to be blessed. I pray when they go to that new time at 1030 that it would just open up lots of new possibilities and that, uh, Lord, it would lead to uh, things they can't even imagine. Lord, we are so thankful that you're the one who causes growth. You're the one who brings us to maturity. Uh, you're the one who bears with us in the midst of all our trials and tribulations and, and doubts and we are thankful that your word is living and active. And Father, we pray as we look at James and we look at this practical, um, like right out of the Proverbs, uh, that we would live our lives in such a way to be pleasing to you. And so, Lord, we, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our lips would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord God Almighty, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, let me just read the, this text for you from James chapter 3. It's for the first 12 verses. You can follow along in your outlines if you'd like. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what they say, they are perfect people, able to keep their whole bodies in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now that is pretty graphic, isn't it? That is a, is a bit scary. You read that and say, whoa, James, you just don't pull, pull any punches. You know, and this is James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, all of the, the disciples had unusual characteristics in their personalities. It's interesting, just as just aside. Psychologists, when they study the personalities of all the disciples, they can come up with a personality kind of profile. They can't on Jesus. Isn't that interesting? They can't really come up with one. It's kind of interesting. They just, he doesn't fit. James, uh, Jeff, definitely type A. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is as restless, it is a restless evil full of, of, of um, full of. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, with it we curse people who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You gotta, under, you gotta believe that, that James in writing this epistle was dealing with, with some church people that were having a hard time controlling what they were saying. I mean, don't you get that sense that James is like, wait a minute, this has to stop. And I'm not sure, you know, no one knows the real context of the church and what was going on. We don't have a lot of information, but you can tell that, that they were dealing with some things. Oh, you foolish, you know, you, you know you're, the, the, they were foolish in some of the things that they believed and, and some of the things that they, that, they, that they were given to. And James was really concerned about that. And this one here, um, you can tell that, that there had to be some people that were saying some things that were disrupting the whole church and causing problems. And that's what he writes to. And really he has two uh, audiences in mind. The first specifically is about teachers. He says, listen, you know, don't, don't many of you teach. Don't presume to teach. How many of you are teachers? Anyone here teaches? Okay, there's a couple. All right, there's, there's three or four. And so, you know, it says, don't many of you try and teach. That's a little scary. This was always a scary verse to me. You know, I, you know, I felt that very early in my Christian life, I felt like, whoa, I've got the teaching gift. I became a teacher for a while. That really, really enjoyed that, elementary school teacher. But I knew God wanted me to teach uh, the word. And I thought, this is a little scary. You know, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And then he goes on to say, listen, everyone is going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble. No one's perfect. But listen, if you're going to teach the word of God, you're going to be judged accordingly. That, that's scary to me. And there were um, there are five things that the Lord kind of gave me, or four things that the Lord kind of gave me you know, when I began to say, Lord, what does it mean then to, to teach? If I'm going to teach and I'm going to be um, held strict, more strictly, and, I, and you guys need to listen to this, if you presume to teach, some of you may, may want to, then, then you need to listen to this. And, and these are kind of four things that the Lord gave me that, Mark, this is what you've got you to make sure you do. The first thing is to teach correctly. 
In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You've got to correctly handle the word of truth. And that can be a, a, a difficult thing to do sometimes. And what it means is that I've got to look at the word and take it within how, how it was written. The word is the sword of the spirit, right? But God chose to scabbard that sword in, in the scabbard of, of language and of history um, and of culture um, and, and of context and all of those things. And you can't deny those things. You can't, for example, teach on the book of James without really getting into the language of James and the specific Greek that he uses. You can't, you've got to get into the background of James, the history, and I'm sure that, that, uh, that your pastor's been doing all these things. You can't ignore those things because God chose to have scripture come forth from Hebrew and from Greek and in those cultures. And so there's always that sense, wait a minute, Holy Spirit, what did you intend to teach here? Not what do I intend to teach, not what do I want it to teach, but what does the Holy Spirit really intend the scripture to teach? The second thing is to teach circumspectly. And in 2 Corinthians 2.17, it says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Now, what does it mean, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit? And I think what it means in context, I mean, there are people that wanted to make money from the word of God, but the idea here is to have an agenda. You know, I can't have my agenda. And it's so easy to decide, all right, um, I want to, I have this agenda, and, I, and I, I want the church to get my agenda, so I'm going to find scripture to back up my agenda. And the question is, is that God's agenda or is it just really my agenda? For example, if I want St. Paul's to be this kind of church, whatever this kind of church is, um, do I find scripture that, that proves my point? Oh, you need to be this kind of church, when really that's not necessarily um, what God wants St. Paul's to be. You know, do I um, work some circumspectly with the word? Um, do I um, speak before God with sincerity? I mean, there's never a time, and it's always, Monday morning is always the scariest morning for me because I have to preach again on Sunday. And, uh, you know, especially when people say, man, Pastor Mark, that was an amazing sermon. It's like, I'll never do that again. It just, just won't happen. How's that going to happen? And then Monday morning, I always have to start off with God. What do you want to say to your people? What is it? And I may know the passage I'm going through. Like right now, I'm doing the parables of the kingdom. And I may know the next parable I'm going to preach on, but I don't know what God wants to say about it. So how do I struggle? This is what, you know, Ryan and I talk about these things when we get together. How do you struggle with the text in such a way to say, God, what do you want to say to your people through this? Not what I want to say. You know, what do you want to say? And so to, uh, to preach in Christ. We speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God, like people sent from God. Man, that's humbling. It is humbling. The third thing is to teach completely, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. And, you know, that's a really important one. You know, you want to preach or teach the whole counsel of God. For example, and you see this all the time, 
in, in, in churches where they don't get this. What they do is they'll focus on an agenda. They'll focus on something, let's say, and usually it's, it's, it's majoring on the minors, what I call. Like they'll take a spiritual gift or they'll take a particular um, way to worship or they'll take a particular um, emphasis in scripture and they'll just hammer that emphasis over and over and over again. And so the, the church becomes very lopsided and they're, they're known as a prophetic church or they're known as a healing church or they're known as a deliverance church or they're known as a whatever, okay? And, and, and that's really not good. Because when you look at the whole counsel of God, those things take about that much. And yet they're made this. And so the church never matures. And it always has kind of that agenda. It's known by its agenda. You know, even worship. You've got to be really careful. We're called the worship center. But I think of that in a much broader sense, not just singing songs, but worshiping God. So even worship, you've got to be so careful with those themes and, and make sure you t teach the whole counsel of God. Really, here's the deal, the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, that is the big deal. And everything is channeled toward the cross and under that umbrella of the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the whole point of scripture. And so what is the whole counsel of God? And you wanna make sure that you teach the whole counsel of God. There were times in, in history where the church got carried away, like discipleship at one time became so big in the church, it got lopsided and it got into all kinds of trouble because it became like the thing, the thing, you know. I remember what came out just recently, something that came out that everyone was into, oh, the, the blood red moon, okay, that became such, did you, I, you, you probably never heard of that, that was such a big deal for about the blood red moon, and there were books written and comfort speakers about it, and it turned out to be nothing, you know, those are kind of things, wait a minute, where does that fit in the whole counsel of God, and Paul said, listen, I did everything I could while I was with you to, to give you the whole thing, to give you the whole thing. And the fourth thing is to teach soundly. You must teach what, you, what is in accord with sound doctrine. Wait a minute, is this sound doctrine? Does this really make sense? You know, when you compare it. So that's the first thing that James is concerned with. Listen, don't many of you be teachers, presume to be teachers, because you're going to be judged more strictly. But if you teach, teach correctly, teach circumspectly, teach completely, and teach soundly. And if you follow those things, you're going to make mistakes because everyone will. There's some sermons I preach. I thought, oh, God, how did I ever preach that? Please forgive me for preaching that sermon. I didn't know any better. You know, some of the things I preached back years ago, I think, oh, God, how could I? You know, God's forgiving. You know, he does. But I'm glad I was able to correct things. You know, correct things. The second thing that, that James is concerned with is, listen, all right, here's the, here's the tongue and how it's used in teaching, and so be careful, but now I want to talk about how it's used in everyday life. And if you look at the, this pericope and what he says, he's saying, listen, the tongue is really bad. Overall, it's a really negative 12 verses. He says, man, he compares it to the fires of hell and destroying things, and it's like, whoa. Because he's trying to make this point, you better be careful what you say in the church. And, and I've got to say, in, in my history, long history of being a pastor in, in a couple churches and 
and being involved with a lot of churches, I've seen more damage done by what people have said than anything that the enemy could ever do. And, and that's what, what James is concerned about. And really, his whole, this, these whole uh, 11, 12 verses come from really one proverb. Um, you, you know, the idea of it, and it's, it, it's the theme. And it's Proverbs 18:21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It says, that's kind of funny. What does it mean, those who love it will eat its fruit? If you, if you love the, the, the power that the tongue has, and you understand it, and, and you're, you're governed by understanding that power, then it's going to be fruitful in your life, and you're going to bear good fruit. But if you don't understand it, you're going to bear bad fruit. And I want to give some principles that really come out of Proverbs that James was familiar with, and you can see them throughout, uh, throughout what he has to say here. And the first one is this. You know, keep watch over your tongue. Keep watch over it. You, you've got to make sure you keep watch over it. Listen to this. To watch over uh, mouth and tongue is to keep out of trouble. You're going to get in trouble if you don't watch your mouth. You're, you're going to get in trouble. And that's the first thing. So you have to be watchful. You know, James says, listen, this is how bad it can be. There's, there's nothing that Satan can use more in the church than people's tongues. It's, it's the worst thing. The next thing is be self-controlled. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If, haven't you seen that over and over again where there's a situation that arises and, and, and rather than give a soft answer, you give a harsh, harsh answer and it's worse, worse. Have you ever been in this? I remember, you know, unfortunately as a child growing up with my mom and dad, they had a difficult situation. They ended up getting divorced later on. But my dad would come home and my mom would, was, my dad would say something. I'd say, Mom, don't say this. If you say this, it's going to make things worse. And she would say it. Or the same thing. Dad, don't say this. Because if you say this, my mom would say something. And I'd say, oh, my goodness, Dad, don't say this. It'll make things worse. I could see that even as a child. But listen, diffuse the situation. And oftentimes, we get into situations and maybe, hopefully, that never happens in your marriages, you know, that you're wise and that you can use a soft anger to turn away wrath instead of a harsh word that stirs up anger. A, a soft answer that turns away wrath. The mind of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. God expects you to think before you talk. To think before you talk. And I'm telling you, it's the hardest thing to walk into a situation and, and something explodes in front of you in, with words to say, wait a minute, God, how do I respond to this? Because our tendency is to just you know, react right away. But Proverbs says, listen, the mind of the righteous ponders how to answer. Whoa, that's a good one, isn't it? But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. So not only keep watch, but be self-controlled in, in what you say. Go into whatever situation you're in thoughtfully. The next thing is, is to be a person of few words. I really like this. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but the prudent are restrained in speech. Be a person of few words. Don't talk too much. 
You know, so often, you know, I, I can see situations arise where just too much information, too much talks. Only say what really has to be said. Don't go into detail. You know, don't be a person of few words. The fourth principle is be gentle. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. You know, how do you just be gentle with your words? Not that you can't be direct when it calls for it, but most times, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. The next principle is this, be wise. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, you're going to be put in situations where you can say something and are you going to bring healing? Man, we see it today in politics. It's so bad. Whether you're a Democrat or a, or a Republican, the rhetoric that comes out of politics, all it does is cause terrible things. And, and both candidates are to blame. It's, it's terrible. It's a terrible kind of, I think we're going to end up, whoever becomes president will probably get the president we deserve. It's kind of a sad thing to say, isn't it? You know, but the rhetoric today in politics is, is terrible. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There's healing. You can actually speak healing into situations. You can go into situations with, with the control of the Holy Spirit under the sovereignty of God, and you can speak healing in, into a situation. Wow. That's really powerful. And the final thing, and this is the hardest one in churches, is don't be a gossip. There's several, there's seven things scripture says that God hates. The last one is, is, is people who stir up dissension in the body of Christ. And nothing stirs up dissension more than gossip. Gossip is probably, the, 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 it's probably has done more harm in churches than anything that from the pit of hell. That's why James is so upset in, in, in this chapter because I'm sure he sees in, in the church that he was bishop of and the churches he was involved with, he saw, just like today, how bad gossip is and it destroys things. In Proverbs 17.9, it says this, who, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates friends. And ah, I can't tell you how bad it is when something happens in the body of Christ and someone gets on the phone or texts right away, did you hear what happened? If they didn't hear about it, it was probably because God didn't want them to. So don't you be the one that tells them what happens. Just leave it alone, you know. And when you, when someone comes to you, don't receive a gossip. When someone comes to you, did you hear, say, I don't want to hear thank you. I wasn't there. I don't need to hear. Don't tell me. There's nothing. Did you hear what so-and-so said to me? Did you hear what so-and-so said to so-and-so? Oh, my goodness. That's right out of the pit of hell. If someone comes to you and starts to gossip, don't listen. Say, I'm sorry. I, you know, and I, I've trained people at the worship center to say, if someone comes up to you, say, I'm sorry, but I don't listen to gossip. And right away, it offends the person who's sharing. Oh, I'm not gossiping, I'm just sharing. No, you're not, you're gossiping. 
And, and it stops it right there. It stops it right there. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I've been, I've been trained not to listen to gossip. Well, I just want to share with you. I'm sorry. And that makes the person think, wait a minute. You know, wait a minute. You know, it's so sad. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. You know, again, why? Twice. There's separation, dissension that takes place with gossip. Now, I know none of you here do that, but I, you know, you know your pastor asked me to preach on this, so I have to, okay? So, so I know that this doesn't apply to any of you, and that's good. I'm, I'm glad. But it's the next 12 verses in James, so I had to preach this. And then listen to this. Without wood, a fire goes out. With gossip, a quarrel dies. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Man. So one of the things that, that you want to be, you know, as St. Paul's, is you want to be a church that is very careful in your communication with one another. There's always going to be things that happen. Did you hear what happened at the business meeting last night? Do you believe what so-and-so said? Don't do that. If people weren't there, they can read the facts. You put out the facts, right? You know, that's all you need to know. You know, just the facts. This is what happened at our business meeting. Great. Not, did you, can you believe that so-and-so said, that? Don't, don't go there. It's terrible. And it's right from the pit of hell. Now, I'm sure... Ryan wouldn't have said all these things about the pit of hell, but I can say that because I'll be gone, you know, and Ryan will be, you know. But really, there's nothing that hurts the body of Christ more than gossip and the tongue. So be careful. And, and these are two, these last things, and I want to close with these. They're, they're beautiful. This is a prayer that I often pray for myself. It's a good prayer to pray for yourself. Set a guard over my mouth. Oh, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that nice? Lord, really, when I say things, and there's sometimes I want to say some stuff so bad. There's this guy that next time I see him, I really want to say some stuff to him. And I can say some good stuff. I can, you know, I really do. I mean, part of it's being Sicilian. I've got that kind of, you know, but I can't. And I say, Lord, when I see this guy again, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, because I, I, I don't, I want to bring healing, I want to bring a sword. I, I like the sword sometimes, you know, we all do. You know, but Lord, I want to bring healing. And so I pray that prayer, you know, you can always tell when you want to, when, when your mouth wants to pick up the sword, there's this thing in your heart where you, you go in your mind, if I see this person, I'll say this, or nope. Say, Lord, you guard it. You guard me, Lord. Let me bring healing into this situation. It's a hard one. The next is a little prayer that you can pray. This is the second one. And I prayed at the beginning, and I pray that this, you know, every time before I preach, it's the last thing I pray before I preach at the worship center. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that's what you want to pray. Not only, O oh Lord, set a guard over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips, but may the, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. 
you know, when I have to speak, guard me and make what I say pleasing. Make what I say pleasing. You know, and then your tongue can be used for healing and for righteousness, not as a fire that destroys and, and comes out of the pit of hell, right? Well, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this beautiful church, and I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would govern the things they say to one another. I pray that when things happen, they'd be wise enough to listen and to stop and to say, Lord, how should I respond? I pray this would be a church that, yes, it will make mistakes, we all do, but would govern, what would govern this church would be the healing words that come from your throne, not the hurtful words that come from hell. We love you, Lord, and we know that you are the God that can ordain and orchestrate all these things through Jesus Christ our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.